The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a road show Tuesday at Hale Varsity Radio. We're at Madonna Proactive here, 56th and Pine Lake Road, as uh, we are sent to talk uh, Nebraska, Illinois, and find out all the great things going on at Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus. Their GM, Sam Kelly, will be with us here in a little bit. Mitch Sherman to get us going in hour one in about 20 minutes. And in hour two, Jacob Padilla, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Will be with us, get his take on Nebraska football and also some volleyball thoughts as Coach Cook and the crew get ready to roll. Uh, numbers to get in 466 3776, 466 3776, 800 825 5865. Been a longtime uh, member here at Madonna Proactive and really love it. Between the outdoor pool, the indoor pool, the weights, the different classes they have, they have uh, after. Um, uh, school and I should say workout uh, child care. You can drop the kiddos off if you're going to go uh, throw up, uh, what is it, Elijah? Two plates per? Are, are you a four plate guy? Is that it? Two plates per side, that's what? Uh, 225? I mean, uh, that's warm up weight for me. <laughs> Good. At least one of us can 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 rock uh, warm up weight. Uh, so no, a lot to get to here when it comes to the college football alliance. A word from Trev Alberts here uh, shortly. Plenty into with uh, the coordinators today with Nebraska football. Coach Janander, Coach Lubick uh, are knowing where, where they're going to go direction-wise with uh, the cornerback spot open and opposite Cam Taylor-Britt. And who's going to be RB1? They know. We don't. We can guess. And uh, plenty of insight and in a new segment and feature on Tuesdays. We've had Tuesdays with Kaz. We're going to get, uh, and if, if we're talking to Cass, he's probably got a, I, I would bet, a Corvette keychain at his home. And uh, keys with Kaz. Kaz's keys, more appropriately, get his take on Illinois and Nebraska. Uh, can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And the numbers to dial up 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. So, Elijah, let's dive in here. Interesting Thoughts from Dennis Dodd uh, with CBS Sportsline and uh, was asking, you know, is this a must win for Nebraska? The the make or break part of this, and it's so intriguing, right? And we've had this conversation. We have highlighted and deemed so many ball games over the years as Nebraska's tried to 
climb back. CBS Sports pretty emphatic with their takes on just what Nebraska football is and where it's at. It's just another program. And right now, win-loss-wise, yeah, they're just another program. The thing about Nebraska here is the the opportunity, a chance to return to greatness or get back in the thick of things and let's uh, let's crawl before we walk, get in contention in November for a, a West Division championship. Let's get in contention and maybe play that first weekend of December. Uh, that's going to be uh, uber important uh, here in the near future for Nebraska. But uh, Dennis Dodd opens up his headline: Nebraska opens with Scott. Nebraska opens with Scott Frost on notice, entering a what feels like a must-win game for Illinois. I believe it is a must-win for Nebraska. If they don't, the season's not thrown away. But from a confidence standpoint, they've got to get out of Champaign alive with a victory. I 1,000% believe that. They can bounce back. It's just a much steeper hill to climb, much tougher deal for Nebraska if they stub their toe out of the gate. It puts them behind the eight ball in the West race, all those things, but it doesn't eliminate them at all. It's just a season opener. But when it comes to hearts and minds and mood, it is absolutely something that uh, you don't even want to get into uh, with Nebraska fans and uh, where they're feeling right now. They're, they're hoping for some consistency. They're hoping for, you know, a turning of the corner, a postseason. Uh, Elijah, this is one of the games you got to get on a very difficult schedule. Bill Conley, right on the money, as he is uh, pretty on top of college football, says this is the toughest schedule in college football. Uh, no excuses. Bring it on, take it on, is my take on that. But you get one of these. Uh, if you're Nebraska, these are one of those games that you find a way to get it done. Yeah, and I mean, Nebraska has top 25 talent on their roster. When you look at recruiting classes, uh, and I know recruiting rankings don't translate directly to uh, results in the field, but you've been a, a top 25, top 30 recruiting class since Scott Frost has been here. Uh, so if you have five top 25 teams on the roster, so what? You should be able to get one or two of them. I mean, a, a tough schedule aside, Nebraska fans will be happy with a six and six, which should be very doable in this schedule. I mean, I get it. There's five top 25 teams, but even if you lose to all of them, you're Nebraska. You're really in top 25 recruiting classes, and you should be able to beat teams that aren't inside the top 25. So at the end of the day, it, it's a tough schedule, yeah, but you you still have the teams on your schedule that you can beat that can allow you to become bowl eligible. It's just a question of can you execute and can you get it done? That's just it. I mean, show that you're not a sloppy football team, and that's the thing with Nebraska when you dive in. And look at the record in the Big Ten. You look at the record overall. It's not like you've been annihilated and outclassed by every opponent, but there's been those hiccup games. 2018 Northwestern, you're up double digits. You don't close. Colorado twice, right? And then we go back to last year uh, right on the heels of a a big-time win against a talented Penn State team. You uh, lay an egg and do something else uh, to the bed. Right against Illinois, who came in as you know almost a, a three touchdown underdog, and they they annihilate you by seventeen, and and that was that was an oh no moment, an oh no game. You have a chance to go oh yes if you're a Nebraska football fan. If the Big Red get out of shape, 
So let's dive into how that can happen, specifically who can make it happen, and uh, talk about uh, where Nebraska's at uh, at running back. So, Elijah, if, if you're calling your shot, Who's going to be RB1? Who's getting the first carry on Saturday for Nebraska? I'm going to, I'm going to jump in first. I look at uh, Stepp as your thumper. I look at uh, Morrison as your slasher. And I look at Gabe Irvin as the guy that can kind of do both. He's got a little giddy up to him. He can also get downhill. But uh, birdies have told us that, that Irvin's looked good with some, some home run type ability as a guy that can take a, a handoff and go 60 with everything being blocked. And there's a hole for him to go do it. I think you get a good combo in a guy like Savion Morrison, I think he's closed well in camp. That's just my uh, uneducated two cents, uh, just trying to read some tea leaves. And if I'm picking who my RB1 is, who do I think is getting that first carry, I think it's going to be Savion Morrison on Saturday. You buy that or you go on somewhere else. See, all through fall camp, I have been on the the marquee step has the most experience. He's the guy that, that looks the part. That makes sense, doesn't it it? It, it? it makes a lot of sense, but as time goes on in fall camp, I think there's been way too much smoke about Gabe Irvin for there to not be fire. I mean, uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, the Nebraska running backs who have had success in the past – 10, 20 years have been guys that have made a difference their freshman year. And uh, it just, there's way too much smoke about Gabe Irvin for me to not think that he's at least going to have a part to play. Do I know if he's going to be the, the the first guy off the field? No, I don't. But that is my bet. Is uh, I bet it's Gabe Irvin. Um, Marquis Step, for as much as we heard about him at the beginning of fall camp, I, I feel like I haven't heard his name as much in the past week, week and a half. So uh, I'm not sure if that means that the coaching staff doesn't want to. Uh, let too much get out to the media about about their guy but it doesn't seem like that to me it seems like this is still a a dead heat race at running back and uh to me it, it's Gabe Irvin is the guy that he, he's been turning heads uh I, I think he's the guy that the coaching staff gives a shot come the uh, come the first series but let's be honest uh I think Step Morrison and Gabe Irvin are all going to get a series of their own in the first half to kind of uh show the coaching staff what they got because it still sounds like it's a close race no, I, I think you're right on, and it just makes more sense to to go with a guy like Step because he's played against S, uh, against Notre Dame. He's played in some big games. He's been to this rodeo before, so there's there should be a calming right, or or at least a, a confidence level because of his experience level. But what's going to help your offense go? This game is going to be won on Saturday based on how your offensive line and defensive line plays. This game's going to be won uh, by continuing to sledgehammer against the Illinois defensive line. This game's going to be won by your defensive line continuing to stay fresh. They are deeper and the old uh, make them one-dimensional. This game is going to be won by making Peters beat you throwing the football and I don't know that the guy's capable of doing that. So you're going to line up and load up to stop the Illinois run game, and you've got a 1,000 bodies you can keep throwing at that defensive line. If your coach, Tony Tuioti, he mentioned that today post-practice about, you know, we're going to rotate heavy one through three, uh, one through three quarters, and then we're going to go with who's hot in the fourth. And uh, there is reinforcements. There's cavalry to, uh, to get it done. 
on that defensive line. And you just got to keep uh, hammering away if you're Nebraska on the offensive line. Who's going to help that O-line in the run game? And I think um, step is logical, but I think maybe they go offhand with uh, you're not wrong by by what you're hearing and feeling about an Irvin, but I think Morrison could be that that combo of both where you get the power, you get the slasher, and I think Morrison might be the guy that, I mean, we hear about his upside. We've, we've talked to Spencer Tillman. Uh, we, we know what uh, Derek Peterson's done when it comes to coverage of, of Morrison being both Oklahoma guys. And if there's a glimmer or a sliver of, of Adrian Peterson in uh, Morrison, and that's, I'm sorry to go there this soon, right? But it's, um, why not see if that can, can create some big plays in the run game for you? Also catching the football. I don't know how much of, of Adrian you're going to get, but he's also uh, a weapon that could cause problems for that Illini defense. So you're, do we go stake in a beer for who gets the first carry? At running back, oh. not first carry of the game, but first uh, first carry. Do we do we dive there, or are we gonna are we gonna double up uh, and and not only go with the uh, the, the wager of, of the game, but uh, throwing a little fun here with the running back. I mean, I, I like the idea. If you want to say Savion, I'll, I'll go with, uh, with with Gabe Irvin. I'll, I'll 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 I know you're not here with me, but I'll shake on that. Okay, we'll we'll just we'll just shake virtually here. Now, watch all bets are off. It, it's kind of like uh, two teams with COVID, right? It's a no contest. Nobody gets the L if it's a Yant carry. <laughs> okay, well, and I assume I, I assume it's it's a push if if Step gets as well. If Step gets the first carry, I think that wouldn't be the, the biggest shot. That's that's fair. Yeah. So if if, if it's fair. if it's Sevian, you get the stake in a beer. If it's Gabe Irvin, I get the stake in a beer. If it's anyone else, it's a it's a no bet. All right, let's hear from uh, Coach Lubick here, cut five, on the running back position. What does Nebraska's OC think about Saturday and who's carrying the mail? you got to have multiple guys just from the, the beating those guys take, and you never know what's going to happen in, in a game. But uh, we do feel like we're closing, we've closed in on one. We're not releasing any depth charge right now, but we, we want to have one guy kind of take the bulk of the load. And the other thing, it's – Sometimes the game determines that. If a guy gets in there, is running really well and breaking tackles and doing a good job, that guy's going to stay in there. And so, but at the same time, you got to be smart enough to have, if, if, if it's to the point where he's, it's a 10 play drive and he's not as efficient or he's a little bit tired, we need to get another guy in there. And we feel like we have capable backups to do that. So that's that's no answer. <laughs> that's no answer on who's going to be carrying the football. But the the, the best part of it is they've got uh, they've got options. Elijah, we're here at Madonna Pro Active Therapy Plus. Chris Schmidt, uh, Elijah Herbal, back at our ESPN studios in Lincoln and Fifty uh, Sixth and Pine Lake, where we are at a uh, wonderful facility. Uh, I could either. I don't need to go to the steam room today. I can just step outside. And, uh, and and just melt, but uh, it could go take a dip in the pool here. Uh, I'm not quick enough to do that between commercial breaks. We'll have the general manager, Sam Kelly, with us here in about uh, 20 minutes. Mitch Sherman is uh, just around the corner from the athletic coach, Rick Kaczynski, next hour. So one more thought here from Coach Lubick. We, we heard the running back options. Let's get Lubick's take on the offensive line. They are vital. They are talented. I don't know how healthy they are at the left side, but they've got bodies to, uh, to pick. And uh, more from Lubick here on the O-line. Well, improvement. Uh, we feel like we have a lot of depth there. We lost two good players last year. And uh, 
but we also played a lot of young guys last year too, which was good. And so those guys have all, you know, took it up a notch. We think we have great leadership with, you know, Cam Jurgens. Because as, as a unit, specifically the offensive line, you're always as good as your leaders. But when you have a, you know, a proven center that's practicing harder than anyone on our team or as hard, um, that rubs off on everybody else. So I, I think that's going to show. And uh, I think our young players, again, have just been getting a little bit better each day. That is Matt Lubick. We'll have more from the offensive coordinator from Nebraska, Matt Lubick, and Coach Janander. He'll share some thoughts on that race for the quarterback spot uh, opposite Cam Taylor. Britt, uh, two names. How's that tug of war going with Newsom and Clark? Uh, we are here at Madonna Proactive, winding down this first segment. And Mitch Sherman in the on-deck circle as he'll talk some Big Red football with us. The Illini, the Huskers, Saturday awaits big noon kickoff. We're on the road in Champaign Friday and Saturday. And we'll have Real Red reaction for you following. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome. Back here with you, Tail Varsity Radio Road Show Tuesday. We're here at Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus, 56th and Pine Lake Road. As uh, no excuse for me today or tonight. Once the show's over, it is time to go crank out some reps. Now, uh, Elijah's got that warm-up weight at 225. Can neither confirm nor deny that I'll make that happen. Let's talk Nebraska, Illinois. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. You find Mitch on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, uh, game week, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm excited that uh, football's here. It's, it's ready to go. We'll dive into the, uh, the alliance uh, with... The uh, Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, and a little in a little bit, but want to get your thoughts here on Nebraska and Illinois on Saturday. And when we look at this this ball game here with Nebraska, and I want to kind of go into uh, its magnitude, and and we talked about the the make or break part of it. Uh, are you uh, are you leaning more make or break here? Uh, if the result's a, a loss on Sunday, or even if it's a win, if Nebraska gets the job done on the road, how are you viewing uh, Saturday's ball game, its magnitude, and then its influence on the rest of the year? From from the uh, thoughts that I've had the majority of this off season, that the magnitude is is uh, huge. It's a big game. Um, it gives Nebraska an opportunity if it wins to be three and zero when it goes to Oklahoma. Uh, it would be a shock if Nebraska wins this one and then loses one of the next two at home. So that would be the first three-game winning streak in, in Scott Frost's time and would signify real progress and momentum and, and put Nebraska in a good spot uh, coming out of that OU game, regardless of what happens. I mean, uh, that's an opportunity to go and play a great team. And uh, in order to get there and be in good shape, you got to win this one This one on Saturday. This is the, the big one of the first three and has, of course, added significance because it's a, not just a conference game but a division game. And, and we know what happened last year when Illinois came to Nebraska. So uh, first-year coaching staff for the Illini, they're an experienced team. They're strong uh, up front in the trenches. Uh, but there's there's not – 
there's not a, a, a built-in reason. There's no reason for Nebraska to um, to um, expect anything but to be one and zero on Saturday night. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, you. You do an awesome job reporting. We love your commentary and and thoughts and analysis with Nebraska have for years. And uh, what's what's your read, your take on on the fan base right now? I I think my thought is they need something good to happen. They're waiting for something good to happen. And uh, their their patience is, is, well, Mm -hmm. they're, they're frustrated right now. Social media is always very interesting. Uh, a thought yeah. from you here about uh, the fan base right now, and what's the feedback been like for you with things? Yeah, it's uh, it's a little edgy right now. Um, I think there's a there's a sense of some some excitement because there's a game here this week, and maybe that has people, um, you know, more anxious. Uh, social media is different different animal, and it's not representative. I don't think of well, I know it's not representative of how people are in general. I mean, rarely do you um, ever hear the comments in person uh, that you, you you receive on social media. But that's uh, that's been the case for for a long time, and holds true in you know more than just uh, sports writing. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's time for a game, and that's. About the only way to to look at it, that you know, people people uh, are going to come to all kinds of different conclusions based on comments that are made or comments that are not made on social media. So, I, I you know, you ask me about the fan base, and Nebraska fan base is always fantastic. That's that's uh, Nebraska fans are passionate. They love their team. They they uh, live and die with it, and they you know they feel the pain and, and uh, all of the joy. Uh, you know, in 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 more 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 deeply than just about any place in the country. You know, there are a few places like Nebraska, but um, it's a it's a it's a it's a rare um, it's a rare breed of, of of passion. So, you know, we see we see that in lots of different ways, and and you know, around around town, you see it, and and you know, sometimes it manifests in unusual unusual ways on social media. Got a little of that this week. Mitch Sherman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, and Mitch, I just want to ask, what do you think it's going to take this season uh, to a- appease the fans? Like, what, what performances do the Huskers have to put in? Will a win against Illinois do that? Or, or is it going to take even more convincing wins throughout the year? I just think the fans want to see Nebraska play good football. Uh, it's, not a, it's not about one win. No, that's, that's not going to all of a sudden you know, turn people into – uh, you know, believers and, and you know across the board, they, they want to see Nebraska play consistent, good, smart, sound football. And you know, sometimes I don't even think that's gonna that's gonna be gauged by a win or a loss. This week, yes, this week it, you know, they need to win. They need to win because it's been a long off season and, and it's been a long 19, 20 months. So it's it's got to happen. But uh, over the course of of the long haul. Uh, you know, people want to see Nebraska do the little things right. Um, not, not if they lose games, it's one thing. If the if the losses are because of self-inflicted mistakes, I think that's where the frustration comes in, and, and you know, it's it's what's bothered Nebraska fans so much in recent years. Mitch Sherman's with us, talking Nebraska, Illinois, and big picture for the season. At Mitch Sherman on Twitter, Mitch, let's get into the game here. Nebraska wins if dot 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 
and uh, flip it around. Yeah. How's Illinois uh, get the Bielema era off uh, to a flying start? What do they got to do? Okay, well, um, I think Nebraska wins if it can get Illinois off off balance um, on the defensive side. And, and I, I don't, I hate to always bring it back to Nebraska's offense because I think this is a year where the defense is going to have to win Nebraska some football games. But Illinois' strength is on the defensive side, and Nebraska, you know, it's not going to be a, a ten to seven game. Um, there's going to be some points scored, I, I would expect. Um, what can Nebraska do in this game to get Illinois off balance and set up that running game? And it'll be interesting to see what Scott Frost and Matt Lubick's strategy is coming out of the gates. You know, Illinois has been opportunistic. Um, certainly Jake Hansen, the senior linebacker, his 14 takeaways over the past two years lead the nation. Um, that's a little scary for Nebraska, which has been turnover prone and was turnover prone last year in that game against Illinois. You remember the first play of the game was a turnover. Mm-hmm. So does Nebraska get conservative and try to uh, try to ease into its offense and, and, and you know, loosen Illinois up that way, or do they come out throwing the ball, throwing the ball around uh, to set up the run? I think the best way for Nebraska to move the ball in this game is to use the pass to set up the run, um, but that, that's uh, – requires a certain amount of risk and you know i don't know i don't know uh, how they'll feel about that um w- when one of their stated goals is to win the turnover battle at all costs so that'll be something that's interesting to, to watch and, and, and if nebraska does come out and and throw the ball well at the beginning that's a key to, that's a you know that's a really good sign because i think that means that the, that the running lanes are going to be there later in the game um for Illinois, uh, I'll you know I'll, I'll speak to this from kind of a Nebraska perspective, and Illinois to, to win this game must do some of the things that it did a year ago when it was opportunistic. When balls were on the turf last year in Lincoln, uh, the Illini defenders were jumping on those balls, and when there were holes to run in against the Nebraska defense, Illinois was hitting those holes hard, and Brandon Peters. Uh, we know he's a he's a multi-dimensional, talented quarterback who can do it with his arm and with his legs. So if Illinois is hitting on those cylinders, then uh, you know I, it has a chance to uh, not just be in this game for four quarters, but to, to pull it out in the end. What's the atmosphere going to be like? I know I saw a little bit of Coach Beal in his presser, and he's trying to get as many students and fans uh-huh. as possible. I, I, I know it's going to be refreshing because it'll be not last year but overall how hostile do you think it'll be for nebraska yeah illinois can get pretty hostile um it's not typically like that um when nebraska was there a couple years ago there was there were a lot of empty seats and then that game got into the second half illinois was leading at halftime it got into the second half nebraska came back and, and went up but it was close again in the fourth quarter and there were more people in the stadium uh, in the second half of that game than, the, than there were early on. Of course, it was a night game and, and it cooled off, but uh, it's going to be hot out there on Saturday. I think it's going to be a good environment. Uh, you know, it's hard to imagine that it won't be when it's the first time for fans to come back in more than a year and you have a first-year coach who's a big name and, and, and there's excitement around Brett Bielema. So I think they're going to have a lot of people there. And, and you know, this is, fans like this, they, you know, you smell blood in the water a little bit. You know, there people, everybody in the Big Ten knows that Nebraska is um, is on a little bit of shaky ground and needs this thing probably more than Illinois needs it. So 
they're going to want to come out there and rattle the Huskers, get in their heads, and, and help Illinois have a chance to win it. So I, I expect it's going to be a hostile environment uh, by Illinois standards for sure. Mitch Sherman with The Athletic, Hale Varsity Radio, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, couple of minutes here. Let's go to the Alliance. And uh, your, your takeaway here with the, the three commissioners not signing anything but kind of a handshake deal. And overall, how does this affect Nebraska? What's your takeaway? How can, how can this be good for the Big Red? Yeah, the handshake thing's a little puzzling. You know, it's almost like they're kind of gun-shy and don't necessarily want to uh, enter into anything that, that, you know, one of the three can't get out of if, if uh, you know, something better comes along. But, um, yeah, I don't think it'll fall apart, um, certainly not right away. I think it's good for these leagues to create some stability uh, to counter the move that the SEC made in bringing Texas and Oklahoma on board. You know, that was such a power play and, and, and such an important important move for the uh, for the short and long-term future of, of that conference and, and how it's impactful. Um, it, it is impactful for, uh, for, for all of college sports, all of college football for sure. So um, I think it was imperative that the Big Ten uh, did something in response to that, and th- this is it. Um, it's a different kind of move. Um, one, because it's, it's semi, you know, it, it has this, this handshake agreement element, and then two, because it doesn't involve uh, teams moving leagues. It's just it's just more of a of a, well as as the as the name suggests an alliance uh, for Nebraska. It it can be good. Uh, it can be it can be great for Nebraska to strike up some rivalries with programs in the ACC that historically have played big games against the Huskers. I mean, I'd like to see Nebraska have a home-and-home with Florida State as a result of this thing, or Miami, or, hey, how about a series against North Carolina um, upcoming? There's lots of venues that I think Nebraska fans would like to visit in in the ACC and, and then re- revisit some in the Pac-12. Nebraska has played most of these schools in the Pac-12 at some point in the last couple of decades. Um, let's get the Huskers to Oregon. Let's get them to, uh, again, let's get them to Washington again, USC, UCLA. All of those things have happened but Arizona State has happened before. Um, I'm ready for a Nebraska-Stanford home-and-home. Home. If that's the first one that they uh, that they get going with this alliance in a few years, sign me up. Um, I'm always game for a, a trip to Palo Alto. Mitch Sherman with The Athletic. Mitch, we'll see you in Champaign. Thanks for the time today, bud. Okay, thanks a lot, Chris. See you there. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Roadshow out here at Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus, 56th and Pine Lake Road. And uh, we are streamyarding right now, and this will be, uh, well, you can check it out on our socials, obviously, but also uh, you can uh, find it on the ESPN Lincoln Facebook. We'll also post on Twitter. The GM here of Madonna Proactive is Sam Kelly. Sam was so awesome in putting a, a workout program together for me, but there's so much going going on sam it's awesome to see you long time coming to get back here in person here at uh, madonna proactive how have you been good good it it is nice to finally get some of this normalcy back in order um just being able to meet with people and chat Mm. um one i'm excited to hear about your progress too because it sounds like you've made quite a lot of progress too yeah and that's awesome just uh sam runs this uh incredible facility and sam you've also done a lot of work as a personal trainer and Mm -hmm. you've put time and effort and and lots of sweat in yourself to uh bettering 
so many of the the, the, the patrons here at, at Madonna Proactive. And your workout plan for me was good. This was back in the fall, I think, right before 2020. Yep. Uh, we were here. And then even maybe after winter where... Uh, okay, I, I've got a spare tire going. I got a little bit of, of love still, but it's um, a situation where you know here's here's some work for you to do, Chris. Mm-hmm. Here's some work, uh, not only core training but also the free weights, the swimming, and this plan's been great. It, it's up to me to, to execute, but Sam put it into action, and I can't thank you enough. I mean, I feel good. Good, good. You look great too, and got well, the wonderful. Tan Elijah, did you hear that? I look wonderful. <laughs> I look wonderful. Hey, oh, that's great. Yeah, once I'm done working out, I can go sit out back at your pool. There we go. Get and the soak up the sun. Mm-hmm. Soak up the sun. But there's so many different facility options here between free weights, the track, uh, your classes. Kind of lay it out for folks if they're looking for a place to to join yeah. or at least visit. And, you know, Proactive is really a one-stop shop. You can get a personal trainer that, hey, maybe you want just a program set up, and or maybe you meet with them on a weekly basis. It's really up to the individual. Um, we've got classes, all the amenities. So like you talked about, the pool, sauna, steam room, um, whirlpool, got all of those amenities too. Um, so it's really everything that you would find at a gym, including the equipment, um, the personnel, great staff, mm-hmm. um, but then we have those extra services too, like more of the medical side. So if you do need a physical therapist, we've got that on site too. So if you have those aches and pains, um, we can help you navigate through whatever it may be. Yeah, you, if you're into massages, as far as you know, some treatment or just some relaxation, mm-hmm. uh, just to our left is is a place to, to get signed up and do the massage therapy thing. And you also have a, an amazing basketball court, but also the the rage is pickleball. It is. It's Are great. you undefeated still? In pickleball? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, ne- I need to get back into the swing of things, pun intended. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it's been a little little hiatus here on, on pickleball. But yep. the word around uh, Madonna Proactive was don't take Sam on and pickleball <laughs> because you're just going to roll them. <laughs> I've got some a few tricks up my sleeve. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Put that agility to the test, I guess. <laughs> well, the endurance, right? The, the backhand down the line the basketball hoop but right. no i mean the basketball is great but uh, i just think of coming being able to come here also during the pandemic you yes. guys did such an amazing job of of adapting adjusting and then everyone was everyone felt safe everyone felt secure and, and everything was so spaced out he put a lot of work in well thanks yeah thanks for mentioning that because it was and and i'm glad that it was re- received well too mm-hmm. and our members really received it well because um, that is safety is our top priority and especially as um things elevate and things change right. in in the community um we have those those in place that we can fall back to so whether it's masking spacing equipment out mm-hmm. um having people screened if if needed um we we have those options well touch on that because and Sam Kelly's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow, Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus, 56th and Fine Lake in Lincoln. Uh, you have folks here. Uh, not only is there the uh, sanitation stations where you can get your you know, your, your your hands figured out, but uh, every time I came in and it was no problem at all, 
you had you had a, a, a digital setup to to screen temperature, and it wasn't invasive. It was just part. Of, it was as easy as just kind of running your key to to check in. Yep, yep, and and we have those all throughout too, or the the hand sanitation anyway. We've sure. definitely ramped that up, and and we did have the screening in place, and that was really nice because you could just scan your key key fob and then get your temp, answer a few mm-hmm. questions, and you're on your way. So we've got that in our back pocket should things escalate. But, sure. but luckily, we've been able to alleviate a lot of those um, a lot of those COVID restrictions now that things have relaxed. Um, but we'll see what the fall brings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? Well, we'll see what the fall brings, but uh, you'll be prepared, and folks will still be able to get their exercise, their workout, their classes in here at Madonna Proactive. Yeah. Sam yeah. Kelly with us here uh, on site, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Madonna Proactive. A thought here on, on some classes or some some programs that that are going to be happening this fall mm-hmm. i know the pool's still alive and well and it's it feels yeah. so good when you go uh, especially as, as hot and humid as it is outside but the temple allegedly will turn to fall so what are some options what are some things folks can maybe get into this fall when it comes to, to exercise great great yeah so we do still have a summer option available so our outdoor pool stays open until the end of september the first part of october good. so you can still hop in in our summer number special which you can do one month Um, so we do have that option and then coming up this fall we'll have a really attractive membership joining special and then we have all of our events so maybe it's a yoga workshop or a BOSU workshop to figure out how to use some of the equipment that we have Mm -hmm. around the facility Um, we do have some specialized classes too focusing on different yoga practices so if you want to dive into yoga a little bit more or that recovery side Mm -hmm. um, we've we've got those options too yeah you have those and then there's still Spinning, cycling. Yep. Yoga, um, regular group fitness classes, so like HIT, more of that boot campish style. We've got those um, weights, um, and we even have a whole lot of water classes too. Oh, good. Which you'd be surprised. Holy cow. Oh, it's packed. My butt. Yeah. <laughs> well, and when you're in there too, you're like, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So so don't um, don't let those ladies fool you in some of the aquatics classes. Well, and tell me about, the, and I, I started doing the walking the, the aqua track mm-hmm. at Currents Fierce. It is. Yep. So you can walk with it or you can walk against it. And we even did that for marathon training group. That was a way that they could still get in their high intensity interval training, but not as much, um, not as much damage to their joints Mm -hmm. using that buoyancy of the water to really help with their, with their uh, performance. So um, lots of fun amenities. Sam Kelly, General Manager here, Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus, 56th and Pine Lake. Sam, if folks want to get in touch with you or one of the wonderful trainers here mm-hmm. and visit for membership possibility, just get the grand tour. Where do they need to go? Where do they need to log on? How do they get a hold? Yep. So um, you can go to our website and there's a find out more page too that you can fill out some information and our membership team will reach out to you. You can also um, just call the front. zero about what we have available passes well this is awesome uh, again i've been uh, at madonna for a number of years uh, love it love the facility love the program and sam's been great uh, working with me and uh, she can help you out as well and uh, madonna proactive therapy plus 56th and pine lake where they're at and uh, they are set up uh, with all you need here when it comes to health and safety but also getting your health 
uh, back where you want. Sam, it's awesome to see you. Good to see you, too. Thanks so much for spending time. Coming up, we'll uh, get locked in with some volleyball thoughts. Jacob Padilla, the Huskers and Coach Cook, ready to go for another title. And Husker football against the Illini, that's on the way. Rick Kaczynski, next up to Hour 2 on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back here uh, one final time this hour. It's Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark in studio. And uh, there's not too much hazing, and I know hazing's kind of a, a naughty word here in 2021, but Elijah, are you treating Connor okay? Uh. I, I believe so. He seems to be having a good time in here. Uh, I think he's probably still swimming a little bit. I know my first day um, getting trained up doing the show, uh, my mind was swimming a little bit, but he is definitely picking up on things faster than I was. Now, did you show him the shock collar? Uh, I, th- I was trying to keep that a secret from him. Um, I know you have your controls with you uh, out at Madonna. Um, he, he can't see that where I'm wearing no, it right now, no. but <laughs> I didn't bring. I didn't bring. I didn't bring him with. I didn't bring him with. As he's running now, running out the door. But well, well, um, well the, the worst part no, is we'll the check uh, in with Jacob Padilla. The worst part's the the electric gate outside the door to keep me in the go, in the studio all night. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's it's it's, it's some of the hazing that, that Dolman and Sharpie and Baylor put me through. It's just I'm just paying it forward, paying it forward. So let's uh, talk Illinois here. Let's hear from Coach Chenander, and we're all wondering, you know, RB one. How about CB two? And uh, more from Coach Chenander here on that race for the second corner. You'll see a lot of corners rotate through, uh, Coach uh, Fish says. But right now, some guys. Got to take that head job and, and run with it. Here is Coach Chinander. You know, you know, to be honest with you, 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 you have to look at a whole body of work. But, you know, one guy kind of pulled out, and then the other guy closed the gap, and then the other guy pulled out, and then the other guy closed the gap. So I know it sounds like we're, we're holding something back, but that thing is, that thing is pretty tight right now. Yeah, we do definitely have some some delay going. Okay, we'll recon. We still good, Elijah. Let's just talk about uh, connection for a second here. We still together. Oh yeah, we're, we're definitely we're definitely still together. You sound loud and clear. I think you're just uh, hearing what's coming from me and what's coming from the station about three seconds after uh, what's going out. So we have a little delay, but the, the show still no sounds worries. good. We're still rolling through. Okay, wonderful. Uh, let's uh, get some thoughts more from Chenander here on uh, the make or break side we started off with it here's what the dc has to say uh to me it's a make or break just because it's the next game that's the most important game the next one always you know it's a it's a very important game obviously a conference game so you put a lot of emphasis on it but i don't think make or break can't be the whole season riding on one game it's always the most important game because it's the next one once we get done with this game the next game will be the most important. Um, so it's a very, very important game. A lot of stress has been put on this game throughout the, uh, you know, the preseason and those types of things. Uh, but make or break, I think, is probably the wrong word. So last thought here as we hear about the Illinois offense. If time, let's, let's get in on Shenander, what he's expecting from the Illini O. Oh, I'm, I'm fired up for those guys, especially, you know, some guys that are – have been in the program and it means a lot to them and or guys that are that was the wrong cut i apologize 
But that well, was the black shirts. Yeah. But, it's, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We'll uh, hear more from Coach Chinander next hour. And uh, on the way, Rick Kaczynski will join us. Uh, defensive line coach extraordinaire for Nebraska and Iowa back in the day. Uh, and Jacob Padilla. In the on-deck circle, Husker football, his thoughts on the Illini, the Big Red, and Husker volleyball. Hour two from Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery here at Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus, 56th and Pine Lake. In Lincoln, Rick Kaczynski, uh, Kaz's Keys coming up here in about 25 minutes. Uh, some emails to get into as well. We'll try and get that handled today or carry over to tomorrow. A lot of football to talk in, some volleyball. We welcome in with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, Jacob Padilla at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter's where you find him. Jacob, how's your Tuesday? What's up, man? Hey, it's uh, first Tuesday, first game week Tuesday. Um, just a lot, a lot of work today. Um, Got to hear from, we're doubling up here, having offense and defense uh, for post-practice. So Tuesdays are going to be pretty busy moving forward. No, that's awesome. And uh, you know what? It, doesn't it feel good to say, hey, it's game week, Jacob? We've been waiting forever uh, to have that uh, become a reality. And, you know, well, I want to get your take here on on uh, today and just a couple of uh, nuggets you took out between the coordinators or some players or some of the other assistants. But uh, what was your biggest impression? What did you take with you from uh, from the stadium today? Yeah, it seems like uh, obviously they've got no choice, but we're getting close, kind of on uh, the the position battles that are um, uh, still kind of ongoing. The, the the biggest ones are obviously corner and running back, and it sounds like they've got kind of things figured out at running back, at least how they want to go into this first game. They just don't want to tell us. And quarterback might uh, might be still up for grabs, even, and we might see both guys kind of. Uh, rotating in depending on, I guess, how these last few days of practice go. So um, that that certainly we're, we're kind of getting there. Um, we didn't get a depth chart this week, so we're still, I think we know a lot of them. Uh, the black shirts on defense kind of reinforce some of that, but um, they're, they're still kind of uh, that, that battle at a cornerback is ongoing, again, evidenced by the fact that there was only one corner with a, a black shirt on Monday. Jacob, a, a thought from you on on running back. Who do you think gets that first carry? Uh, I was talking with Elijah about it. I, I've kind of hedged myself into the, the Morrison camp. Uh, Elijah's saying, you know what, I think it's absolutely uh, going to be the phenom from California. And, uh, you know, it's Irvin's carry to be had. Where are you at, man? Who are you thinking gets that first carry? Yeah, I think... I think uh, they got it down. I think uh, Morrison and Irvin are kind of the guys that uh, took the lead in there. Uh, Step, I think, will get carries. Um, he'll be part of that. But it seems like it's going to be those two. And I guess just the guy that's been most consistent throughout the entire 
um, that we've heard about. We've had different guys have had different stretches where we've heard a lot about them, but um, I think we very well could see uh, the true freshman, Gabe Irvin Jr., there uh, getting the, the first carry, and unless, of course, it's a quarterback carry. <laughs> Jacob, uh, I just want to ask you about a guy in Ramir Johnson. He's been around for a, a while in this program, but it doesn't sound like he's in the race to be a, a starting back. What do you think his outlook is within this Huskers team? I mean, is he going to find ways to get involved on special teams, or is he just going to be a guy who's going to be buried on the bench this season? Yeah, Ramir is a guy that has done a little bit of kick returning. He, he hasn't uh, been super successful in that role. Um, it it just seems like kind of Marvin Scott the third and Ramir Johnson are two guys that the offensive coaches have made sure to mention when they've talked about the battle, but they're always kind of fourth and fifth in some order. Um, so I think for the short term, it's probably going to be those first three guys that we talked about, and then Scott and Johnson are kind of battling for um, the, the next opportunity. And uh, you never know with injuries what could pop up. If guys could struggle, they might get uh, somebody else might get a chance to step in there and um, earn something, but um, right now I, I don't anticipate him being a huge part uh, of what they're going to do, um, but uh, you never know how things are going to play out. Jacob Padilla is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter is where you follow and find him. Great coverage of hoops and volleyball and we're talking big red football now as Jacob at uh, post-practice today. Let's go over to the defensive side in just a second. But overall, what's what's Nebraska's game plan? What's Nebraska's approach? What do you think they do Saturday offensively? <laughs> well, um, hopefully execute. I think that's kind of the, the name <laughs> of the game. Is they're, they're just going to have to uh, they're going to have to block well. Um, well. We'll see kind of what that offensive line, um, what Turner Corcoran's status, what what they're looking like up there. Um, and still a little bit of a question, but and kind of how uh, the the wide receivers um, uh, kind of work out there and who, who gets the, the bulk of the, the reps there and what that uh, connection is like with Adrian Martinez. But um, you're going to come out, they're going to try to run the ball, and uh, I think that's going to be a huge key for this year is whether or not they can get that, that halfback running uh, attack going. And whoever it is back there, whatever the combination is, can it be something that they can rely on as opposed to having to fall back to the quarterback run game to, to get any kind of ground? Um, that, it seemed like last year they just were hesitant to um, really commit to getting uh, uh, Dedrick Mills going, just in part because the, the early returns weren't great a lot of time. And you, you can't run uh, for two, three yards three straight times every single time down. You're going to have to have some success in there. So um, it's... They're going to have to start there, I think, with that. Uh, try to try to kind of uh, move some guys up front, get Irvin, get uh, Morrison some, some carries, try to um, kind of take control that way. And then the quarterback, you get some scrambles out of there, you get some play action stuff, some RPO stuff, and then you can start getting those tight ends and the wide receivers involved. So it's going to start with the running game. That's kind of what how it works here at Nebraska and within Scott Frost's offense and they're going to have to have more success with those running backs than they have in the last couple of years, I think. Jacob, last thought uh, to, to kind of build on that answer with uh, the running and the offensive side. Nebraska's averaged 200 yards. They've been second in the Big Ten. On paper, they're a good running team. Do you think it's been just a matter of trust with running 
the football when the other teams knows that they want to run the football? Has that been the issue, running it when they have to and being able to run it when they have to? Has that been the biggest hurdle? Well, a lot of it, they, they were very good um, in the quarterback running game. And that's, that's the one thing. They, they've had to keep going back to that because it is the one run that they can feel confident in um, that they know uh, is going to produce for them. And the problem with that is uh, you've got the, the injury risk uh, for Adrian Martinez and you've got the increased risk of fumbles. So I think that's, that's something that they can do. It's not something that they want to build a running game off of, and they've had to do too much of that the last couple of years. I mean, Adrian Martinez continues to lead them in rushing, which isn't what you want um, if, if things are working the way that Scott Frost wants them to. Obviously, the quarterback uh, running game is a huge part of the offense, but you want that to be more of the threat than kind of what you're relying on. And that's been, uh, that, that hasn't been the case the last couple of years. They've, they've had to kind of lean on the quarterback, the quarterback draw, the quarterback um, power running game um, more, much more than I think they want to. Um, so uh, Diedrich Mills did have uh, had some really good stretches last year, and that overall kind of boosted his uh, yards per carry average up to, to where it should have been. But he was kind of a little bit more boom or bust than you would have liked, and there were games where he went off. Uh, but there were more games, I think it was about two to one, where he was below four yards per carry. It's just he, he kind of salvaged his overall average because the, the, other, um, the, the other games were, were so successful. So, uh, and then the young guys behind him, none of them really kind of found traction. Um, so that, that's kind of where it is. It's, um, overall, the running game, the numbers look good. And they definitely got better last year um, with kind of um, – Greg Austin stepping in as kind of the run game coordinator, putting more emphasis on that. They did uh, bump up the, uh, the the yards per carry average by uh, three to four tenths of um, per, per carry. So um, that, that that was a significant improvement. They were second in the Big Ten. Um, so that's the progress that you like to see. Now they just need to continue it forward and hopefully have the running backs take on a, a larger part of that. Jacob, what's the uh, we talk about identity for the offense? What what's this defense going to be known for, and what is paramount for Saturday? What's the defense got to be great at doing on Saturday? It's got to start with in the trenches and stopping the run. And you look at the way this defense is built. Yes, you've got some veteran defensive backs, um, but they got a lot of guys up front, a lot of big bodies up front. I don't know. Um, I think that the pass rush is still a question. You've got some talented linebackers back there, especially on the inside. Um, I think those guys will be able to make some plays, but um, I, I think the defense is going to be slanted more towards stopping the run, which is what you need to have in the Big Ten. Uh, you've, you've got to be able to hold up on third and long, and that's an area where they have struggled a, a bit. And I think they improved down the stretch last year, but um, ultimately everything starts uh, up front. And, with uh, Damon, just man, the rave, we're hearing rave reviews about Damian Daniels and the way he's transformed his body and the way he's playing right now. Tony Tiotti talked today, and um, he really likes his group and said he's got about five, six guys again. That's kind of the, the same number he's been uh, telling us since since spring ball. But he's got a really good uh, collection there that guys are gonna he's gonna roll guys in and out, and then once they get to the fourth quarter, the guys who are playing best are gonna be the ones that are out there. Um, and they've, they've got the, the versatility to go however many different guys up front that they want. They can play. Uh, we saw some last year where they were playing two down linemen with the defensive end to kind of get a little bit more speed out there. Um, 
they could also go the other way and play some more four-man front. Um, they've got the depth uh, on the defensive line to do that, and then hopefully kind of keep those linebackers free. I, I really do feel like if Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer can stay healthy um, and, and the defensive line can, can do their job up front, those guys can go wreak havoc in the run game. So I think that's kind of where it's going to start for this team is really uh, uh, in the front seven um, with get these guys getting bigger, stronger, more experienced. Hopefully the, the attention detail will continue to improve. I think we've seen that on the defensive side of the ball consistently under Eric Shenander where they've gotten better year to year. Um, so that's where it's got to start. And then uh, you can hopefully play off that and have some success in the passing game as well. Jacob, when you're looking at that front seven, uh, the big question all offseason has been, is Nebraska going to be able to, to develop a pass rusher? And we maybe got clued in a little bit when the Blackshirts were awarded yesterday when Caleb Tanner got his. Maybe he's the guy the, the Husker coaching staff is looking at being able to make a difference rushing the passer. Is that the same read you're getting, or, or do you have any breakout candidates for maybe a guy who can get after the quarterback? Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, I, I I still like JoJo Doman as a pass rusher. Last year, they kind of transitioned him more into um, where he was. He, he hardly ever rushed a quarterback. He was uh, most of the time on passing downs. He was a guy dropping back as kind of that nickel, um, that nickel cover guy uh, playing pass uh, pass coverage as opposed to getting after the quarterback. I feel like if they like those cornerbacks that they've got, maybe um, they could transition to more getting uh, both uh, uh, Braxton Clark and Quentin Newsom out there in addition to Cam Taylor, and maybe that would free up um, JoJo Doman to, to get after the quarterback a little bit more. I feel like that's something they've got in their pocket. I don't know that it's something they want to rely on, but on the other side there, I think Caleb Tanner, I think that's the hope. Uh, is At this point of his career, he's been here long enough now that this is kind of the year that he's got to really flash and have the, the physical tools um, kind of make a difference now. Um, he's one of the fastest linebackers they've got. Um, he's he's got to show some of those pass rushing chops that they that they uh, envisioned when they recruited him. And I think Phil Darius Payne is a guy that'll be in that mix as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they handle the snaps at um, the, the kind of the outside linebacker spots with uh, both Garrett Nelson and Carol Tanner as the main guys there, and then. Um, again, they might go smaller up front and get another one of those outside backers out there and have two of those guys playing alongside JoJo Doman, depending on kind of what the, the other team is throwing at them. So um, it's, I don't know that they're going to have a guy that's getting seven, eight sacks off the edge, but if they can get um, three, four, five out of one guy and then three, four out of another guy and just kind of – be, be consistent there with providing some pressure. And part of that starts with the defensive line kind of doing their job and uh, occupying blockers up front. Maybe um, if they do play a couple more guys up front than they did last year, maybe that frees up Ben Stilley to be a bigger part of the pass rush as opposed to the guy that's kind of collapsing the line um, where he played a lot more on the interior last year. So they've got a lot of options. I don't know that they have any one dominant pass rushing type that's going to emerge and um, even be as uh, productive as Cleo Davis was his last year in Lincoln where you get to eight sacks or so. Um, but they've got a lot of different options. It's just a matter of can these guys kind of step up and, and be consistent. And I think that's probably, that's probably the biggest question mark on the defense right now as far as if you're looking for this group to take the next step. Because obviously um, they were solid in a lot of areas last year, but I feel like that's kind of the one area where if you can, if you can make big strides in this area, you'll be able to kind of go from – a good, solid defense to a very good defense that, that helps you win games. 
Jake, I've got about a minute or a little less, but uh, just on outlook real quick with volleyball this weekend, uh, how loaded can this team be? Yeah, we're, we're going uh, gonna to learn a lot, I think, this week, considering it sounds like Nick Haynes is going to be out. And John Cook is still kind of considering what he wants to do, both at center and at other positions. It, it just, I think the way he's talked, the, uh, this freshman class is everything that he expected it to be because they continue to push the upperclassmen for playing time. And we saw that in the red-white where he was kind of rotating players back and forth. Uh, between the two teams. Uh, it wasn't a case where he had the starters on one side, the reserves on the other. It was constantly changing. And I think that's where they are at as a team because those freshmen are good enough to play right now. Now Crooks uh, just have to go out there and figure out, all right, who who are my best six, seven players here? Um, what is my best lineup going to be? And I don't think he has those answers yet, which is why it's an important it's important that they have the non-conference this year Whereas last year they had to dive right back, right into the Big Ten play because that's all they had. So this is a big, uh, big weekend. Just kind of let some freshmen. Um, I think we'll see at least one or two of those freshmen out there um, starting on, on Friday, and let's we'll see if they can kind of get get their legs under them and um, show that uh, they they were rated highly for a reason. Jacob Badella with us, Hale Varsity. Jacob, awesome stuff. Thanks for jumping on today, bud. Yeah, anytime. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio Road Show. We're here at Madonna Proactive, 56th and Pine Lake in Lincoln. It is game week as uh, Nebraska heads off to Illinois. We bring in the coach, a uh, long time at uh, Iowa and, of course, at Nebraska defensive lineman Rick Kaczynski with his Kaz. What do you know? It's game week. How you feeling? Hey, feeling real good, man. Thanks for having me on, Schmitty. Just uh, you know, good to be uh, good to be in game week, week zero. So looking forward to Saturday. So uh, feeling pretty feeling pretty good about it as the game gets closer. Feeling pretty good about uh, about the staff and the team and going into Champagne. Man, should be a lot of fun, Kaz. And interested to get your take on last week, real quick. Just your view, uh, your years in coaching. What do you make of the uh, the NCAA uh, investigation in Lincoln, specifically uh, what's what's being investigated? The uh, assistants, uh, or I should say, the analysts, and, and then the the idea that there may have been some some question about the workouts. Yeah, you know, a couple ways I look at it. Obviously, you never you never want anything with the NCAA to come on, uh, especially at this time of the season. The, the, the timing is, uh, you know, I have some questions with the timing because obviously when the NCAA, when somebody files something or gives a complaint, um, you know, this this thing started a long time ago, just the, the timing of it before the season, uh, I, I got to question that. But I think with the veteran team and the staff being in there in their four years, you know, they, I think they did a good job of not making that a distraction. And I think Trev did a really good job um, making it, you know, coming out, saying what it is, here it is, and then and then moving forward. And the most important thing, Schmidt, you win football games, nobody's, nobody's going to care. Uh, the NCAA, they don't have a whole lot of teeth right now. Um, if you are going to get in trouble for something, hey, get in trouble for uh, coaching your kids up. So uh, obviously you got to follow the rules, but it, it's an investigation right now. You know, I don't think anybody's guilty. I think the good thing about it is that it hasn't been a distraction. 
uh, came up that day in the media, story here and there. But I think they got back on focus, got back to practice, got back to camp, getting ready, getting ready for the season. So I, I don't, to me, as an outsider and I guess a, a, a guy on the inside, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I'm also, I don't have any consequences, and I don't know a whole lot about the investigation except what's been said. But those things happen all the time. Um, but um, it, it's unfortunate. You don't like it. But I can't imagine a whole lot coming out of it. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio Roadshow here at Madonna Proactive. As we get ready for Nebraska and Illinois, we pack up uh, Thursday for Champaign. Live shows Friday and Saturday for the Nebraska-Illinois matchup. Kaz, uh, as we turn to game week, and uh, I'd love to get your keys, as we'll deem this Kaz's keys here. Uh, what needs to happen uh, on the offensive side? We'll start there. As uh, you were a high-level center at Notre Dame, you know what uh, the importance is with the offensive line and, and what kind of tone that can set here. As you look at this, you know, what, what is uh, in Nebraska's best interest offensively here Saturday? Well, first and foremost, you know, I, I think you can't make too much. Obviously, you want to win the football game. Uh, and uh, Nebraska should win the football game. But if, if something happens, it's not the end of the season. You want to go in it always as a, you're trying to win them all. The staff, everybody wants to win them all, tries to win them all. Uh, but you know you can't you can't lose sight that it's a that it's a long season. So I'll end that there. But what you want to see them, you, you want them to control and dictate the tempo of the game to to Illinois. Illinois, they got an offensive, they got a great offensive line coming back. You know they got a quarterback that's a, that's a that's a game manager. I don't know if that's a compliment for a quarterback. I guess that's just the way you know the guy. You know he's a guy that they're probably not anticipating a lot of mistakes. But he's not a dynamic guy. He's not going to kill you with your arm, with his arm. He's not going to kill you with his legs. So, what you want to do though is not allow Illinois to get the ball. So, you know, get first downs and punt. You know, you don't have to score every drive. You know, you want to get a couple first downs here and there. Uh, you know, don't don't give up on the two yard runs, the the gain of zeros, the gain of ones. Just keep plugging. Eventually, Illinois, where they don't have a whole lot of depth, is on the defensive line. Uh, when you look at their defense a year ago, they got a lot of guys back, but a lot of those guys were on a, a 120th ranked total defense. So, you know, what you want to do, you want to pound on those guys. You want to wear on that. The only way you can do that is to sustain sustain some drives. You don't have to sustain them for, you know, eight, nine minutes. What you want to do, you want to get a first down and punt if you have to. What you don't want to do is give Illinois a short field, turn the ball over on something stupid, um, you know, getting minus yardage plays. So just control that tempo. A gain of zero is not bad. A, gain, a minus two, that puts you behind the eight ball. So what you want to see is Nebraska's offense dictate the tempo of the game and just like the black shirts and just like the pipe, that, that's where the game's going to be. It's going it's to be won. That's what Illinois wants to do to Nebraska defensively, and that's what Nebraska is going to want to do to Illinois. If you keep, the, uh, you keep the offense, you keep the opponent's offense off the field, they can't, they can't score points. If you give them a long field to drive, there's a, there's a really good chance they're going to make a mistake and open the door for you. So you punt the football and get first downs. 
Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Kaz's Keys here. And I think you're right on, Kaz, with the, the body blows. Turn this into a game of attrition here when it comes to the fourth quarter. And, you know, by all accounts, Coach, that's that's Nebraska. I know Illinois has got a lot of guys back, but you nailed it, man. The, the defensive line isn't as, as flush, so to speak, with bodies. And uh, you just keep hammering that football, don't you, with uh, with uh, some power run and, and maybe mix in a little quarterback run. That's that's one question I have for you. You know, would you have Adrian at a pitch count this first week? I, I think yeah, I, I think it's really difficult to go into a game with a, with a pitch count per se for especially for a quarterback. What you what you want to do, and, and Illinois knows this, and Coach Frost knows this. What you want, he's always going to be a threat with his legs, and being on the other side of the ball, being a being a defensive coach, man, that 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 is hard to prepare. When you got to prepare for a team that wants to run the ball, uh, you know, between the tackles, but then you also have to defend the quarterback's legs. That makes it really, really difficult, and sometimes you have the tendency to to sit on your heels. So anytime you can give uh, offense, a defense, more to think about, more to defend. There's, there's gonna, you're gonna have an opportunity to move the ball. You're gonna have an opportunity for that maybe that two-yard gain to maybe go for six and eight, and by the fourth quarter, you know they're going for ten and twelve, and you're just wearing. So I wouldn't. I think you got to go off the rhythm of of the game. Um, you know, let's. You can't give up. You can't give up on those one, two-yard football games because what people. Never, you know, when when you're talking about a rhythm of the of the football game, most of the people are talking about the quarterback and the running back. It's also true for the offensive line. You know, they got to get their hit, they got to get their batting practice in, too. You know, you're going to figure out a guy's leverage. You're going to figure out how a defensive lineman is playing. You're going to figure out how a backer's scraping or how a guy's coming downhill. So it's getting in that rhythm for the offensive linemen also that is key. And the only way you can do that is by just keep pounding, running them same plays. You know, uh, when you look at successful football teams, especially offensive football teams, they're running the same plays. They're just making it look different uh, with some garnishing with, with the tight ends, the wingbacks, the, the tailbacks, the fullbacks. They're just moving the same people around. When you can get them big guys to do the same thing on every play and move everybody else around, that's when it gets really, really difficult to defend. So I think not – obviously it's important for a quarterback and a running back to get into rhythm, but I think I think what, where Nebraska's at and what Nebraska – what they want to establish, what they're going to try to establish, you got to get those offensive linemen in rhythm. And, you know, that's really difficult when, uh, you know – you're throwing on first down and then it's second and 12 or second and 10 and then you're running a draw then it's third and seven and now you got guys teeing off on you it's hard to get in a rhythm and that's why i think it's real important line up hand the ball off get three yards get four yards you know then you get in them short yarded situations you get a first down if you don't you punt but it's those body blows it's that repetitive you know those reddit repetitive punches that eventually when you get to the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter against a defense that's not very strong um that's that's where your running back takes over that's where your play action comes that's when you put more pressure on the secondary on the defensive quarter to get to get more guys closer to the football and that's when big plays happen 
is that hard for an OC or an offense in general to be patient? I know it's game one, but is it hard to, to not try and go up top, stay the course, be patient, take the two and three yard gains? I don't think it's difficult because, you know, with, with the way your offense is set up and, and I think, you know, with the way they've been talking about coming coming out of camp and coming downhill and what they want to do and using those tight ends, you know, your run game sets up those big plays, you know, those two-man routes, mm-hmm. those post digs, and you know, you, you're going you're gonna to pick your spot. So I don't think it's, uh, I, I don't think it's difficult to be, to be patient doing that. You, what you don't want to do is, is give them a short field. You know, I think you know the, the mm-hmm. successful coordinators that I've been around and the head coaches. You know, that's all. Just just make make their offense, make the opponent's offense have to drive the field, and then it's up to our defense to force them into mistakes. All right. So what you what you want to avoid, what you want to avoid is one, you know, time of possession, and when you're throwing the ball three, uh, you know, three snaps in a, in a row, your, your defense isn't getting getting a very big break, right? Uh, no time's coming off the clock, and and now your offense is back on the sideline, obviously. But, but Schmidt, I think you know when you have a veteran offensive line and you have a veteran quarterback, I think it, it allows it allows those coordinators to be patient. I think when you have a young team that you really don't know a whole lot about yet, I think that's when coordinators get get impatient because you're just trying to see what's going to work. But I think what where Nebraska's at with their veterans, with their quarterback, with their offensive line, I, 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 can see, I can see them being extremely patient in Champaign on Saturday with trying to pound that ball. A few more minutes with Kaz here, live at Madonna Proactive, 56th and Pine Lake. More with Kaz on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot, pre-teen Swedish boy. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, let's flip it over to, to uh, defense. And you mentioned uh, Peters as, as a manager. Uh, he has a, a good arm, but he's not been asked to, to go win it, but more so don't, don't lose it, son. Interested in your thoughts here. What's Nebraska's game plan defensively? Is it, is it as simple as just snuff out the run? Line, I got a couple of good backs. Oh, absolutely. You know, you just can't – same thing. You can't get them going. The same thing that Nebraska's trying to do offensively. Um, mm-hmm. no, matter, no matter how deep you are, if people are moving the ball on you, you know you're going to get tired as a as a defense, especially especially a D lineman. Um, and then if they're running the football, then you know Chin's got to get more guys closer to the football, and then you're starting to play more man coverage, and then you're starting to pressure more. And that's when that's when big plays. You know when you're not dictating when you pressure, when the offense is dictating to you, uh, that's that's when big things happen. So. So I think Nebraska just, you know, gang tackle, keeping the ball inside and front, and just, you know, avoid, avoid those big plays. But once again, you can't, you can't worry about, you know, the three-yard gain here, the four-yard gain. Uh, but, but, you know, you got to get off the field. you got to get off the field, obviously, on third down. But what I always tell the defensive line, you know, you win third down on first down. A majority, about, about 65% of the time, you're winning the third down. What happens on third down was dictated by what you did on on first down. So, so I think um, I think you know just making 
allowing how do I, I want to say this, Schmidt? And I think just making uh, making that quarterback have to have to make plays with his arms, and you're gonna and, and Nebraska can do that by by winning first and second down. So, uh, you know, like I said, he's a he's a, he's a guy that's that's got a that's got a lot of experience. But uh, you know, I guarantee Brett's saying the same thing right now. Don't turn the ball over. Check down. Throw it away. We'll punt and go play defense. And um, so, you know, I, I think uh, Nebraska has a veteran front. I think they're going to be hard to run on. I really do. You know, if you can play too high safety and play zone coverage a lot and stop in the run with really, you know, half or a full guy short, and you got a chance to do some things. You got you got a chance to dial up some pressures when you want, and that's a pretty good indicator that you got an opportunity to win the football game and, and that you're controlling the line of scrimmage. Kaz, there's been a lot of talk this camp about more four-man fronts. I know you're a you're a four-three guy, and uh, do you expect to see more four uh, four front versus uh, the odd front on Saturday? Um, you know, I'm not I'm not quite sure. I, you know, Shmi, I haven't been following that close. Just camp what what actually they've been doing, but I think when you look at their personnel, uh, you, how, how do you get your best players on the field? How do you get your most dynamic? players on the field and and how do you get your most dynamic athletes to rush the quarterback i think the one thing that nebraska has lacked over the years and what everybody's looking for it's not a mystery they're looking for a guy that can rush the passer and i think in those outside linebackers they they got a few of those guys um and when you get when you can set a protection versus a three-man front and a four-man front it's it's a completely different ball game you know, as an offensive lineman, give me a three-man front all day long. You know, all all day long. You're just you're just pounding sand. Uh, you know, you're gonna get you know, you're 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 basically getting two double teams, and you're opening up not only not only uh, scramble windows, but just you're opening up throwing windows. I just I just like the four-three stuff, especially in the pass game, and I think you're gonna see that with Nebraska because their best athletes are their are their linebackers, and I think getting that fourth guy into the mix. And then moving their their five technique inside and getting a mismatch, a little bit more athletic guy on Illinois guards in center. Um, I, I think I think like I said, I'm just hedging that you're probably going to see a little bit of that on on Saturday. I'm I'm a four three guy just because that's what I know. I, I know a little bit of uh, about three four just to be dangerous. Um, but I'm I'm a four three guy and and I just like the four three. It just puts more pressure on on those offensive linemen. You, and uh, you're going to get a few more individual blocks based on, on what you're doing front-wise. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Uh, Kaz's Keys, Hale Varsity Radio here at Madonna Proactive, a Tuesday road show. Kaz, what a switch gears to this alliance that was announced here. Nothing signed between the Pac-12, uh, the Big Ten, and ACC commissioner. The thought here is a scheduling alliance. Now, would you be in favor, Kaz, put your commissioner hat on for a moment, would you be in favor of dropping a ninth Big Ten game to accommodate uh, one ACC opponent, one Pac-12 opponent, and then keeping the option and opportunity open for another maybe Power 5 or good G5 opponent like a Cincinnati? How would you, how would you juggle the scheduling here moving forward? Man, that's 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 tough. You know, I'm, um, you know, the the one thing I don't like about it is is the West Coast, right? If you look at historically, teams from the East Coast, teams from the mid, uh, Midwest, it, it's 
it's it's a struggle heading out that way, and I think vice versa, you know, for the for the pack teams. But uh, you know that that would be that would be my only hang-up, Schmitty, is just uh, just the historically historical that mm-hmm. uh, the Big Ten has not performed well on the West Coast, especially during the regular season. Um, but I think with where we're at in this day and age with college football, I think that's the only way that the pack in the Big 12 uh, can survive is with this alliance. But the good thing, I think you're going to see some great matchups. If that's the case, um, if, if that's the case, I, I think you're going to see some unbelievable matchups. You know, I, I would love to see some of these Big Ten teams or some of these ACC teams especially a Florida State or something, come, come to Madison, Wisconsin, or Lincoln, Nebraska, or Iowa City in November. Right, let, let's see what that's like, you know, instead of playing those early games always, those warm weather teams in warm weather. You know, come on up in a snowstorm with the wind blowing 38 miles an hour and, you know, try to throw the football around the field. So I, I, think, I think what I like about it is the fact that they're just being proactive in a way to keep some semblance of all the conferences with an identity. Uh, I think when you look at the SEC right now, yeah, it's the SEC, but the SEC is losing a little, you know, it's kind of like, hey, is this a, a national a national conference? Where I think what you did with those three conferences, the conferences are able to keep their identity and then just play some different opponents from the other leagues. That's the way I'm looking at it. I just don't view the same – the SEC in the same light was adding Texas and in, in, in Oklahoma. I think that changes the conference of the SEC where you still have the brands in the other three com, uh, conferences and you don't, uh, you don't, you just don't lose that league, that conference feel with that alliance. So, uh, you know, I haven't read, I haven't heard a whole lot about it. I know it just happened today. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a good thing for all three conferences. You know, it's better than just starting to, to make phone calls and rating, and then you have another league or two perhaps turning into what's left of the Big 12, right? So at least if you've got a, Absolutely. an alliance, alliance here, that that's at least keeping everybody uh, around. And, oh, by the way, when it comes to, to voting and, 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 dipl- and diplomacy here with moving forward with this playoff, um, you have three power five leagues talking and hopefully on the same page and then there's the sec so at least your numbers are a little bit better you'll you'll have 60 percent 41 41 teams chancellors presidents and ad's miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, and uh, you have a pretty good opportunity to set yourself up, Big Ten anyway, with the, with the playoff team. But now the Pac-12 uh, well, based on what they can schedule, and uh, you know, you know this too. It comes down to TV money, and there's some pretty awesome matchups. Who would you have Nebraska play if you could pick anybody out of the ACC and Pac-12? Oh man! Oh gosh! You know, obviously, you want you want to play the other blue bloods, man. You know, and I mean, Clemson's mm-hmm. a new blue blood, but I mean, there's obviously some history. I mean, you know, Coach Ford. Every time I see him. 
see him. He reminds me. He's got a picture. He shows me that picture of uh, you know from the Nebraska game. I think when they played in the in the bowl game the year he won the national championship. But uh, you know, I, I think you you want your best against the best, right? And I think that's what the fans would want. And that's why I think this alignment's great. Um, because, you know, quite frankly, this is what I love, too, about going to Champaign, opening up with a Big Ten team. You're going to find out. You're going to find out a lot. You know, I, I've, been, I've been in the Big Ten where, you're, you know, you're, you don't really know a whole lot about your team until week four, week five, because of some of the opponents that you played. Um, you know, I mean, so, so I really – you got to come out gunning, and I think what's great about this is every single week counts. I, I was at a, I was at a um, private event with, with Coach Beamer, and he was talking about it. And he said, you know, one of the things he doesn't like, but what makes college football special, it's the only athletic event. It's the, it's the only sport, college football, that doesn't have a scrimmage or a pregame. Every other sport, every other league has it. And I think that's why there's so much passion for it. That's why there's so much excitement for it. I mean, you look at right now, what, what do we know about Nebraska right now? What do we know about Illinois? You know, the, the element of surprise, the, you know, the, unfold, the, the unfolding of what a team is capable of, the, the surprises that you're going to get, you know. You know, there could be a walk-on right now that nobody's talking about um, that can be the next first-team All-Big Ten lineman at the end of the season. You know, so, so that's the great thing about college football uh, there's going to be some. There's going to be some. Um, there's going to be some surprises, and I think you know with this alignment, you're playing these opponents. And I can tell you, as a player and a coach, you're going to. It is human nature. You're going to take your. You're going to. Your approach is going to be different. It's going to be different in the off season. It's going to be different in spring ball, over the summer, and fall camp when you open up, because there's so much riding when you open up. I know I'm contradicting myself, but when you lose. When you lose a Big Ten game, when you lose a conference game, especially on your side of the division, man, it's it's tough. It's tough. So uh, uh, you don't want to lose two in a row, just like the NFL, man. You never want to lose two in a row, and you know you want to try to win that. Uh, you want to try that win that first conference game. But I think I think for the state of college football and the state of the Big Twelve and the Pac Ten, I think this is the best scenario that could have happened. For those two leagues, without changing the the landscape and the makeup of the Big Ten. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Kaz, we'll uh, get ready uh, next week and run you down for some more Kaz's keys. Awesome to get your thoughts, brother. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Man, that was an extended Kaz's Keys. We love him and uh, good stuff, his takes. Big thank to Jacob Padilla and, of course, Mitch Sherman. Many thanks to Madonna Proactive Therapy Plus, 56th and Pine Lake. Back in studio tomorrow, then off to Champaign with a Rojo Thursday and Friday. Big thanks to Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, and uh, welcome in Connor Clark. Uh, back tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity.